car order. It's always been car order. I strongly disagree. That's the way it is. Drifting <laughs> out through the window in a nice one. <laughs> just so I could go down and drink a carton while everyone punches on. Just pisses me to tears. That's the worst thing you can do. You shut up, you hack. Talking about boat ramps. This is what I wanted to get through from yeah, the what start. He said. Oh, you just made an idiot. <laughs> And welcome to Chumming Up, the fishing, spearfishing and ocean adventure podcast that is like an Australian MP's desk because uh, it's just mainly for seamen. You been following that, Leewald? I haven't really been following that. I'm not too much in I, I know a tiny bit, but nah, doesn't interest Staff is just jerking off on MP's desks. In, uh, is is <laughs> that what it's about, yeah. is it? Yeah, uh, like filming it, sending it to their <laughs> mates. <laughs> They're dumb fucks. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I am Squirly, and the other person amazed with that is my co-host, Lee Leewald Mitchell. How you going, big horse? Yeah, going good. Good. You happy about this fucking episode? I reckon it's going to be good. Yeah, this one will be good, yeah. Yeah, because we've, we've got an all-rounder that I better introduce properly and say his name wrongly. Uh, this guy catches big billfish. He catches them all. Uh, he also spearfishes all, all around the world, I yep, guess. Yeah. And uh, from what I've heard, uh, when it comes to his breath hold, he holds his breath longer than Mark Hutchings trying to pleasure himself. So welcome to the podcast, Nate Bresnat. Thank you, mate. <laughs> Good <laughs> and, to be here. Yeah. How did I say your name? How much did I fuck it up? No, you got it. You nailed it. I got it. Fuck Straight it. Straight away, mate. Hip, hip, hooray. Yeah. Uh, so, so how's your fishing been going lately? You've just been on your swing off, so. Yeah, just at the end of my swing off now. On, um, I worked offshore and the vessel's out there. But so, yeah, my three weeks is up, so back out. But um, no, it was good. I actually got good weather this time. So stoked. Last time round, we kind of had shitty weather the whole time. But this time, yeah, we nailed it. We sort of got good weather. Got out on the boat heaps, went out and burned a heap of fuel. Yeah. hours, sort of. Managed to notch a few more blues up for the season. Sort of coming to the end of the season now, so I was just stoked to get out there and yeah. get amongst it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you would would have been looking at the dates, say, eh, thinking it could be a bit hit hit or miss oh, at this stage, or oh, hundred percent. Yeah, um, normally, you know, especially not so much the weather. It's like the end of the season for our blues. You know, the fish are starting to get pretty thin. The water's heating up. So yeah, to actually get the good weather. To line up with a few fish around as well, it was yeah, I was I was pretty happy. Yep. Uh, any big numbers or or big fish on? Uh, no, nah, no big numbers. It was all small number days. You know, I kind of went out. Chip, well, Gamex was pretty much running at the same time as well, so I was trying to stay away from all the other boats. So I went and <laughs> sort of explored some new areas, not the normal areas I fish. Yeah, um, but yeah, sort of just almost like a normal season again. After you know this season, we had some crazy numbers. There were so many fish around. We really got spoiled. Um, and so to say that, you know, we went back to getting only like four or five bites a day. So, you know, that's anywhere else that's probably good fishing. <laughs> yeah. But here it's like, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, like quite. I only got the one blue and got a couple of blacks and you know had a couple of mystery bites. But yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and how how much of those trips would you have been fishing by yourself? I know you do a fair bit. Um, oh, half of them. Half, half of the them. trips, yeah. I was yeah. solo, yeah. That's just 
out of caneness, you just or yeah, you're very of, strict with who you let on your boat. Oh no, I am. I mean, if you're going to be stuck in a boat for twelve hours with someone, you kind of want to be in, you know, someone's company that you prefer, you like to be. But I'm also a pretty, um, you know, a, a solitary person, pretty choosy with who I like to fish with. Yeah, and just a lot of the time, also, it's easier just to go on my own because it's like a last minute call or whatever, and I try and get people keen, but most of the time, yeah, it's just easier to, to roll solo. Yeah. And, and you don't fish the comps like uh, Game X, you didn't? Nah, in, back, like I was saying, I'm just not really um, into the crowds and all the people and the hoo-ha, like. Yeah, fucking people. It's, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, it, it's all different, you know. It's good, but I'm sort of, if I'm out there and I'm fishing and I've got two or three other boats in me, I'm, Sort of cranky. I'm like, what the hell are these guys doing <laughs> yeah. around me? You know, like, what are they doing in my line? And who are these people? It's like, I'll be like, I'm pulling my gear up and finding my own water. Yeah. So in saying that, obviously, um, Yellowfin Tuna for a while locally in Western Australia here drove you pretty hard. You wanted, you really were interested in catching and spearing and chasing those. And now Blue Marlins come into that equation as well. What, like, obviously the tournament scene's not your thing. What's driving you there? You just want to catch a lot or you want to catch a real big one or something different? Uh, I don't know. Like the, up with the yellowfin, like I was obsessed with yellowfin for a, a long time there. Um, that that was really driving me. It was just all I wanted was tuna. That was me, you know. Like I chase those things around the world. Like I've done trips, you know, remote places through Mexico and a few times and – what not looking for them and then to have them on our own doorstep right here we um yeah that was the sort of thing but then i actually i i managed to get them you know i knocked them we speared a few we speared a few good ones and then we i caught a bunch as well and then that's when my interest sort of went on to blue marlin you know like at the start i was kind of really irritated because i was trying to catch a tuna and these <laughs> dirty these dirty big blue marlin kept piling onto my gear and i'd be like ah like, fucking you know, like, bycatch yeah, like, this is shit house like you know i'm stuck under 200 kilos of marlin and i can see tuna <laughs> busting up out there and i'm only running 200 pound liters so i can't really get up on them but then yeah i guess they chipped away at me and they found a little place in my heart the old blue marlin and now i'm obsessed with blue marlin because i guess the unpredictable nature of them as well like you know you think you've got them dialed you have a really good run and you think you're killing it and then you just go from hero to zero really on them and it all falls apart and yeah there's something about it it's a really addictive type of fishing i think yeah well i i think the same for me you know you're always chasing a good day you know like you're saying five bite days you know you have a 10 bite day with big fish or yellowfin or grand slams and then you remember that day and then the next 10 days put in enough and like that yeah. day but you, you're trying to chase it i, I, oh, I think that's how alcoholics and heroin addicts <laughs> explain their addiction they're like you're just chasing that one good time you had even though you have so many bad ones it's oh, so funny it, and it's, that, it except is, it's more expensive yeah it's, it's a lot too. more expensive um, well, it's like I say that crack mowing. Like, <laughs> you always, it's like we'll have a day, you know, we'll catch four blues or whatever, and we'll just, we put the gear straight back in, and then we're just all buzzing, and then we're like, oh, we just want one more. Like, <laughs> I just want to hear that real scream, one more. I just want to hear an 80 going, just one more time, and, you know, you're always on. That's the thing with the um, blue marlin fishing, I guess. You're always on edge. Like, you're sitting there watching the spread, staring there, and 
a lot of people are like, oh, this is boring or rah, rah, but so I'm in anticipation. I'm on the edge of my seat just knowing that at any moment you can literally go from being asleep to you just don't know. You could have a, you know, a four or 500 kilo sea creature pile on at any second, like, the, you know, another grander or whatever. You don't know. You could have a big yellowfin pile on. It's, um, it's just that anticipation. And I guess unless you've done it a lot and you know what can happen – for if you don't know that, then I guess it comes across as being boring. But, yeah. you know, once you've seen what can happen, then you know you're not bored because you know at any moment like something amazing could happen. Yeah. Like, I guess that's what drives most most marlin fishermen and whatnot to um to keep on doing and spend the time and stay out there. Yeah. We, we get a lot of um, questions, just people from uh, around the world and that on – the difference, because we get the big blues here, like the difference between the blues and the bat and the black marlin. Do you do you feel that as as much? Like you're really chasing the blues for a reason? And well, hundred percent. That's um, that's that's the blue marlin give you that adrenaline rush. Like you're a black marlin is um, it's a completely different fight. Like you can generally know a mar- whatever marlin you've hooked by the way the reel goes like you know a blue marlin hits and it's like that reel screams and <laughs> you see this fish just churning the ocean up all around you just like it's jaw dropping like the amount of power these fish have like it actually is an adrenaline rush it gets your heart pumping whereas you know a black marlin or that would generally it'll hit it'll it'll do its little run and then they sulk down deep a bit you know you can clear you'll get back on them and then once you get on them, I guess they'll start jumping and doing all that. But yeah, you don't get that same buzz as what you do off a, a blue marlin generally. Yeah, I think in my opinion, would you say the same, Leewald? Yeah, definitely. I've, I've had that feeling from yeah, the, a blue marlin turn the water, turn the surface to white water. You know, where a black marlin is very cool, but it'll just greyhound along. And I think, um, I think a lot of it probably is our location as well. The blue marlin are large, tend to be larger. Yeah. Where I think a lot of it, for me personally, is just the size of the fish. If we're catching a 500-pound black marlin for the day, I love it as well. Yeah, it's pretty Where cool. I suppose if you, you know, if you lived in Cairns, then black marlin would probably be what you live and breathe, you know, because they've got big ones of them there. But we just the, our blue marlin are just larger. But they definitely got a lot more poke, you know. They're like a V8 where a bloody um, a black marlin's – like a, a solid six cylinder, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's reliable. Mm. Yeah. Um. So, so when it comes to uh, your tuna that you've speared and uh, caught out of here, what what sort of sizes are we looking for both of those? Um. For like for speared, that's how I guess it started off here for us. You know, I came to Exmouth, and at that stage, I was just a spear fishing fanatic. Like I lived and breathed spear fishing. Like I would not even consider line fishing. Like did not even consider. I didn't even own a rod. Yeah. You know, we came here and we worked, and I mean it's all fair now. It's it's gone, but we used to have Sty Barrow, the um, the FPSO that was located in uh, nine hundred meters of water, sort of forty mile offshore here. Yep. And I mean that was just like a giant fad. It literally was a just a heaven for tuna and game fishing and whatever. And again, it was just the perfect spot to be able to try and dive and spear a big yellowfin, which in Australia hadn't really been done before. And 
so yeah, we went out there and we sort of we put the time in. We put a lot of time in, like so many days out there, just you know, going up current, dropping in, just chumming up, drifting, trying to make it happen, just getting piled on by like you know, 20, 30 silky whales. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they shark, don't mind. The it. sharks were so irritating out there, like it was um a hassle. But then we sort of nutted it out, and it's all about timing and just time on the water. Like you could go out there and. You would not see a fish for nine hours straight and then all of a sudden just boom, there's fish. They just arrive. Like, yeah. You know, same thing, they rock up. But we sort of – we got a few smaller fish in like sort of the 20 to 30 kilo range. We saw some bigger fish um, and then we had one really good day, me and um, one of my good friends from Perth, Ash. Same thing, we'd been out there all day. We, we'd been chumming, we'd been chasing him around like we normally do and we hadn't, we hadn't gotten lucky at all. My mate Ash, he'd – He'd cracked a, he'd gone in the boat, like it was only two of us, so we're taking in turns, one in the water, one in the boat. Yep. He'd already pulled his wetty off, he'd cracked a tin, he was like, no, nah, it's all over, it's not going to happen once again. Anyway, but then it was just like literally out of nowhere, the ocean just erupted all around us, just yellowfin everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Like we raced up there, just like chucked a big bucket of chum in straight away. You know, I was just like, frantic really as you are when you're out there i'm just like where are the elephant where's the churner where's the birds like where are they throw more belly throw less belly like you know just headache and then all then it all lined up and i looked down and just saw this tuna just like coming through the chum perfectly just <laughs> yeah. so what your dreams are made of like drop down same thing and then yeah there it was just lined up a piece of chum and this thing just came through and bang just smoked it like perfect that was a 40 kilo yellowfin yeah and then like I was losing my mind. It was like the happiest moment of my life. You know? <laughs> so it's literally like any good Spiro, you know, anyone that's chased something like that will understand it. And then I got in the boat and my mate was like trying to rip his wetty on and doing that. And the tuna was still there and we're going up and I've chucked chum in. He's jumping straight away. He's had like six fish up. Same thing. He had a shot and he missed. Oh, no. It was just like, oh, you know, he was losing it. He's like, I missed yeah. it. It's like, no, 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 they're still there. They're still there. So, you know, it's a five rubber cannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reloading this thing isn't like an easy idea, yeah. you know. Like, he's trying to like get the shaft back in, and you're running like triple rapid cables. So <laughs> takes ages, and there's like one rubber, two rubber, three rubbers, little rest. And so, like, where are those? Like, they're still here. It's like four rubbers, five rubbers. And then we kept bowing, and then, yeah, fair enough. Like, another lot have come straight in, and he's dropped down, and just boom, just played perfectly, played another one, like 40 kilo one. Oh, nice. pair. So, he was pulling that in. The sun was setting, like, you know, it was double 40 mile offshore and yeah. we were just ecstatic. It was, like, the best day ever. Yeah. How um, good's that feeling? Oh, mate, it was such a successful feeling. Like, at that stage, you know, we'd been chasing him for probably two to three years out there. Like, yeah. I spent so many days out there. Like, you would not, like, day, like, I would have spent weeks, longer months <laughs> out there just every day drifting for most of the time, no reason, like, yeah. You know, we saw some amazing stuff, like a lot of big marlin and that coming through our chum. Like we had like big blue marlin eating our chum at times and makos, stripes. Wow, that's like sick. Big stools, a big hammerhead. Um, it was a pretty lucky to have been able to see that fishery while it was there. Yep. But then, um, yeah, it was the summer just after that. We are out there one day. There's a lot of big yellowfin around. And one of my good mates from here, Benny um, Dixon, he, yep. he managed to put the spear in a real big one, like proper, like, you know, like 80, 90 kilo barrel. Like yeah, radio. Um, but 
he sort of like, we're out there, it was a bit slow and rah, rah, and I was like, oh, we were sort of at the end of our drift anyway and had a big bucket of red emperor frames and that that we'd speared a few days before. And I was like, I've got to get rid of these anyway. So <laughs> I was like, oh, I looked at them and I was like, oh, stuff them. And I just chucked these big buckets of frames in. And he's like, he's like, oh, what do you do that for? The sharks are all over us now. <laughs> ah, and he's like having a full crack at me and that. And he's like, oh, yeah. and then he puts his head in there and he's just like, ah, oh, tuna, tuna, tuna. <laughs> just started screaming and like with all this commotion, with all these sharks like eating the um the charm, the these frames, just out of nowhere like yeah, these four up. or five big like tuna have rocked up <laughs> and just joined the action. And like they were in there and they were just savage. They were eating paper towel. They were eating everything. <laughs> And anyway, he's just like dropped down. And he had the GoPro footage of it. It was pretty wild. Like, you know, yeah, I've seen a screen yeah, grab of as it. He went down and the tuna were there and like the GoPro fell off his head as he was lining up. And as it's fallen off his head, it showed this tuna above him eating this paper towel. And it was like big sickles, like amazing. <laughs> really? Then it just captures him shoot this tuna. And then the last thing you see is this tuna like just diving with he sort of shot it in the last half of the fish, I guess. Yeah. And then it goes and that goes. I was in the boat and I was watching him dive. And then I just see the floats just skipping across the water and then they're gone, disappeared. Like, you know, three atmosphere float and a fight float, everything, 30 metre bungee, stretch out, gone. And I was like looking, looking, looking. Like I'd seen some big tuna get shot and never that. And I was like, where are the floats? And he's like, they're gone. He's like, I just saw them go down, like, out of sight, like 30, 40 metre vis. I like, disappeared. Wow. And I was just like, what did you shoot? And he was like, was like, was like I shot a big one, I think. <laughs> it's a sub. Like, it was a proper one. And then, um, yeah, he came back to the boat and we sat there and then, like, probably two minutes later, the floats all popped up and they came up. It's like, oh, there they are. I could just see, you know, like, when the floats pop up and it just wasn't bobbing, it wasn't sort of vertical. Yeah. It was just dead flat. I was like, straight away, I was like, you know, but shit, we've lost it. It's gone. Yeah. And we got there and yeah, the bungee had snapped. So the actual bungee had snapped and then, yeah, the spear had pulled as well, I think. And Yeah. So it was just an unknown. It was like, Fuck. did it pull or did it get sharked? Or I'd say it probably just pulled, unfortunately. But yeah, without that, much that was like the first case. Like that was a proper, at that stage, that was like probably like the biggest yellowfin spear in Australia. Like yeah. It would have been the record easily. So that drove us for a bit and then I jumped in and I was all fired up and just after that, like, I was so excited and these silkies came in on the chum and I was like, ah, and I've just gone to belt this one with my gun and I've sort of belted it too hard and the slip tip toggled in it. <laughs> like five rubber cannon, like, the slip tip's toggled in it and I was like, oh, shit, and I've tried to rip it out and it's literally just gone nuts and just ripped my cannon out my hand. <laughs> oh, no. Bungee's gone down, like, we're trying to fight this shark, like, holding on the bungee, it was coming around and, you know, the... The gun hadn't fired or anything yet and it, it, it pulled the spear out. It was all bent and I was saying to Benny, I was like, mate, you're going to have to shoot this shark. Like, <laughs> you're going to have to shoot it. And he was like, I'm not shooting it. And I was like, we've got no choice. And we got this silky up and then he's put a shot in it with um just the, my rifle euro and then this thing just went nuts and just turned around started biting everything. I like, bit the gun, <laughs> bit like snapped all the rubbers and, you know, just went, we had to like leg it for the boat. This thing was chomping everything. Like, <laughs> we legged it for the boat, piled in and then had to pull it up. And by the time we dealt with this shark and, you know, dispatched it, the sort of the tuna had already gone back down and yeah, sort of that was it for the day. And then, yeah, that was a frustrating way to end it. Yeah. And then unfortunately that was, um, that was the last summer of the Star Barrow. It uh, left. They decommissioned it. Yeah. Just that year. But in saying that, in the last 
12 or 16 months, you've had two days where you found them bait balling out there while you've been fishing, oh, mate, not yeah. spearing. Well, that's like, you know, our yellowfin here, and I get hit up all the time by crew. They're like, why don't you try and spear them? And right, it's like our yellowfin aren't like other spots in the world where the tuna actually ball up and they'll be in one same area. Like, you know, most of the areas where you'll chase your yellowfin, there's like a big, um, you'll have a seamount or you'll have a big bank or something. It's like the tuna are there. You pretty much just have to drift it and you're going to shoot the fish. Yeah. Whereas or you can go and shoot them off the bait balls. There's big stationary bait balls that the tuna will just sit on and feed. Like they might be there for half an hour. Yeah. Like you can shoot them off it. But our fish, these are like, you know, they're pretty much like, they're like crack tuna. These things just do like 10 to 15 knots everywhere they go. Like yeah. you'll see them over there. And up start, and down. Yeah, you start racing down. towards them and it's like you can't keep up with them. They move no. so fast. They're chasing flyers. They're I think it's just our bait's not the same. It's um, a fast-moving bait, so the fish never stays still. Yeah. But then um, we had that day last February where, um, yeah, me and Ed were out. I was solo as well. And, yeah, we were a beautiful day. We went out there. That Ed had just caught a fish that day, like a 50-kilo fish or something the day before. And we went back out to this temp break because he'd seen a bunch of fish there and we started pushing up there and fair enough like, he's like oh i can see a bunch of birds and he's got near him and then bang he had a tuna on he's like yeah i've got one here so i've started going over and then i was like oh yeah i see these birds and then i was like oh wow i see more birds and it's like there's birds everywhere and it's like i could see these big foamers like just big stationary foamers it's like wow like this is and then straight away boom i'd rod go off and i was on my first fish for that day um, and then, yeah, like by the time I fought that, Ed came back out and the whole time I was fighting this fish, everywhere I could see was just these stationary bait balls of just big tuna just foaming everywhere. And, yeah, I released my fish and then it was like you just could not go wrong that day. It was like something you – I've never seen anything like that anywhere in the world, like proper big stationary bait balls, big yellowfin everywhere and they were like – they were eating sardines. Uh, you'd look out in the distance and there'd be like a thousand flying fish just going <laughs> in the air with big yellowfin like jumping sure. after them. Like I, I was on my own and that and I ended up, you know, I was running a full spread and I ended up having to go down to one road so I got a couple of double, double hookups. <laughs> and I had like, yeah, like, you know, like sort of 60, 70, 80 kilo yellowfin like smashing that and one stage I had a double on, I had – I was fighting one on um, my – I had an 80 wide and a Talica 50 at the time and then I had fish on the Talica. <laughs> at the time. And the 80, yeah, <laughs> and I was just like one was going one way, one was the other and I was like what am I going to do? And I was like oh, I'll grab whatever looks like the biggest fish and I'll try and get that one first. And so I've grabbed the real harness in, started fighting it and then uh, the one that was on the Talica all of a sudden that thing just started heating up and just started just peeling line like unstoppable and I was peeking out. I was like, oh. Better put a bit more drag on this thing. So I've leant over, put some more drag on, and then my lines have crossed over. So I've had to grab the rod and, like, while I'm harnessed into a yellow fin, I've grabbed the rod and tried to, like, tangle the rod around it, around it, put it back. And because I'd taken the lanyard off to do that, I put it back in. And anyway, this thing just kept peeling line. And I was like, oh, and then I just heard fiberglass start cracking. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, I was like, I better get And I went to reach for the rod and just, just like that, like the, the actual rod holder snapped out of the gun or just <laughs> the whole thing out. And there was like my whole setup, you know, just in the blink of an eye, gone. It was like you couldn't even contemplate going up. It was just gone, a bubble, like bubble trail. 
yeah. disappeared. Oh, there's like two thousand dollars setup. Just disappeared. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I couldn't stew on it because I was harnessed in. I had my ass smoked by a big tuna at the time. Yeah, well, they, are, just, they are painful. Yeah, I was just like, oh. And then anyway, I've gotten this one up, and I actually I had the footage of that. I had to gaff that one because the shark took a couple of bites out of it. Yep. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to feed this thing to the sharks. So yeah. the gaff's in and that thing was like a 70 kilo tuna. Fuck. And then after that, I was like, all right, I'm just going to trawl with one rod. So <laughs> yeah, good decision. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so after that, it was one rod out. And then, like I was saying, you just couldn't go wrong. Like There was so many fish out there. Like It, it was just mind-blowing. And then, yeah, I ended up catching seven yellowfin that day, like all sort of over the 50 kilo mark, all big fish. Fuck. Um, and then ended up getting nearly spooled by something, probably a big blue or whatnot. Yeah. Smoked like eight, 900 metres of line off. I couldn't stop it. I ended up sending the reel to sunset and I was doing 10 knots chasing it, trying to wind and drive the boat at the same time and, yeah, ended up snapping me off. Shit. But then that was me done. I was, And then I saw you boys. That's when you and Gatesy were out. Yeah. Yeah, well, you and Eddie got in contact with me saying, it's going off, it's tits out here, you got to get out here. So... You know, normally you tuna going off half an hour later, it's all over. And this was half a day it took us to get to there. You know, we weren't even going. Had to load the boat, fuel it. We chucked all, got Gatesy, got all our spear gear, whacked it in there. Um, heap of pillies. Got out there. It was still going off its nana. Like the amount of birds and tuna we drove past to get to where you guys were, which you, you would have stopped and stayed there if you hadn't have known better, if you just hadn't have told us. And, yeah, we got there and – Chuck Gatesy in on a couple of bait balls. He missed a good tuna shooting, just had the jitters. Heard that, just point blank missed just it. Just point blank <laughs> missed it. I'm like, yeah. fucking shoot one so I can have a go, you know. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll go again with you. Loaded his cannon, same thing, fucking five rubbers or whatever. I'm driving forward on a bait ball, not looking backwards, of course, not knowing what he's doing. And he's and his gun's gone off and it's clipped my shoulder and blown out my front window. So <laughs> yeah. you've lost a run around. I just about got speared. And <laughs> yeah. yeah, after it blew out the front window, we decided to it was quite late, Arvo, because we got there late. We decided to put a pin in it ourselves and just put the lures out and um on dark, <laughs> got an eighty four kilo tuna ourselves. So we only got the one from it. But, but if, mate, if we hadn't got the, it, yeah. yeah, if we hadn't got the call up from you guys, which you know is the only reason we got amongst it and got to see the bait balls and that, you know, it sort of shows that a lot here, particularly in Exmouth, that that crew that are always out there, it's real good network, you know, that yeah. makes it possible. So No, nah, well, that's – and that's when a lot of people say – I get hit up a lot by people. They're like, oh, you've got these tuna nutted out. Like, what's the secret? Like, how do you find them? And it's like there is no secret. It's like you literally have to – you have to just spend time out there. It's the yeah. only thing, like – you're not going to see that stuff unless you are out there and that's when blue marlin fishing comes into it. I mean, you're out there chasing blues and then you just never know what you're going to come across. It's, and then that happened again in October of all the months again this year. Yeah. You know, we were out, there'd been, um, the water was cold and fairly green and there'd been a couple of blue marlins around. I, I'd sort of, we'd dropped two the day before and, so we were sort of out there again, super keen, and we we rushed back out there, same area, and the guys I was with were sort of pretty bummed. It was we literally trolled all day. It was like one in the Arvo. We hadn't seen a single fish. It was looking like a donut day. They were sort of bored and sort of complaining a bit, and I was 
<laughs> you know, I just like dealing, dealing with people. I'm like, this is why I fish solo. <laughs> like, no, it wasn't too bad. And then like we were sort of out like, you know, we were out, we ended up out in the middle. We were out nearly 1,100 metres of water, just middle of nowhere. Um, and then, you know, I saw a, sort of a few chooks in an area and I went across and I marked a big, um, a big sounding, like a big patch of bait. And I was like, wow, that's a really big patch of bait. Um, like there's got to be a predator here, you know, there's got to be something here. And anyway, I, I sort of worked this patch of bait for over an hour on that stage, you know, for an hour I worked this patch of bait. We didn't see anything. There was nothing, not even a hint of anything. And I actually said, I was like, righto, we'll do one more pass. I was like, one more pass and we're out of here. We'll go in. We did our one more pass, um, nothing, and then we're like, all right, we'll start heading in. And then just as we were saying to leave, all of a sudden out of nowhere, I was just like, a couple of hundred birds rocked up. Like all these muttonies just out of nowhere just rot, rocked up. Like, oh, it's like, oh, that's weird. And then one of those boys was like, well, I, th- was like, I think I just saw like a big tuna jump out the water. And I was like, hey, really? He was like, yeah. And I was like, what do you mean big tuna? And he was like, yeah, this thing was like, looked like six foot long. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. a big tuna. That's a big and tuna. And then like literally within 10 seconds, it was like whatever was down there, it's like these yellowfin rocked up and they just pushed this bait to the surface. And once again, it was like we just had this big stationary chumble. Yeah. And there was just, it was foaming, you know. There was big yellowfin everywhere. And we were just like, ah, like <laughs> losing our minds again as you do. Like turn around, we sort of, we did a pass. We were, go, we were watching the chumble. We were like, oh, like what's going on? And all of a sudden, bang, one of the rods went off. And it was like, oh. And I said to the boys, I was like, you know, when that's happening, everyone wants to be watching the action, like the, the bait one. Yeah. I'm like, watch the spread. I'm like, if something's <laughs> going to happen, it's in the spread. Yeah. Like that's where like I'm driving the boat. I've got to watch the bait ball. I've got to try and get us lined up yeah. to catch the fish. I'm like, you need to watch the spread. I know. Anyway, the rod went off and I was like straight around. I was like, did you see the bite? What is it? What? And oh, no, we're watching the bait ball. <laughs> I was like, ah, so I didn't know if we hooked a blue or a churn or whatever, but we dropped it after like five, ten seconds. Yeah. But so pulled it in and, you know, reset the hook. And anyway, I kept going straight up and then, yeah, we got level with this bait ball and managed to get around. And I've got the footage of it, you know, yeah. that I put up. And yeah. Yeah, as soon as we got around this bait ball, it was just like all three – Skirts just got piled on, just explosions <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it was the stuff you dream of once again. Yeah. And then, yeah, we hooked that one and, you know, we got that fish and we were on it for a while and we got it up and we put the gaps in, dragged it on, we were all stoked and high-fiving. I'm like, that was a 67-kilo one. And then we're like, yeah, and then I'm like, turn around, I'm like, the bait ball is still there. Yeah. Like, it's, it's right there. <laughs> and it, it hasn't stopped. It's gotten bigger, if anything, and we We'd gotten out and straight away we had another hit and I was like, wow, this is pretty special. Like, I've got to try. And, you know, as you were saying before, Lee, like, normally the tuna, they're up five minutes, they're gone. That's yeah, it. It's to there make, and then it's gone. The to make, yeah, gone. to make the call to someone to say, like, come out here, it's pumping, like, is a big call. And I knew Wes and Ed were out. Like, Ed was 20 miles south that day bottom fishing. Yeah. And I've caught him and I, I told him that we'd had, we'd caught a tuna and then I, like, caught him up and I was like, mate, you better get here. Like, this is pretty amazing like, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's going off and so he's like you know like peaking i called wes and i think wes and Haley were on the boat that day and they had a bottom fishing charter an inshore charter that was trawling for mackerel <laughs> 20 meters and it's like they get the call and it's like we're in 1100 meters you know 20 mile out the back of you and it was a little bit rough and they've you know told the punters all right wind in your 
bloody TLDs. We're, we're, we're not catching a, shit yeah, fish anymore, yeah, cats. We're leaving the back of the reef and we're going out 20 mile to 1,100 metres. It's on. So, yeah, yeah we went out. We ended up, we caught another um, tuna. We got a big one this one. I was calling in the 80s, like a really big fish. Oh, nice. It sort of absolutely spanked me. It was, um, it was pretty good. We ended up snapping the hook on that when I had it on the leader. Um, and, yeah, we sort of – we snapped the hook on that and we got – we sort of got rid of that. Then we went around and it was like this, it was just going off. And I was like, wow, I need to film this. I was like, we had a GoPro on the boat and um, we only had a um, pair of goggles. That was it. We had two pairs of goggles. That was it. A couple of GoPros. And so I was just like, take me up there. I'm jumping in. So <laughs> it took me up. I've jumped in and I've just got a pair of goggles on a GoPro in my hand. I'm breaststroking up to this bait ball. <laughs> I'm like, my mates, we doubt. There's with me. He's like, oh, there's, there's sharks here. There was like two silkies. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> they were like on my fins and he's like trying to bat it away. And I was like, just forget about them. Like the silkies, they don't, you know, they don't mean anything. And anyway, like, I, I got to watch like this big sardine ball come in with just this big yellow fin everywhere just lazily just mouths open coming through like just swiping through the school like you could have gidgied a big yellow fin <laughs> like it was it was ridiculous like big slow moving yellow fin like, yeah you've never seen anything like it and i'm just there with a you know a gopro on my hand and i filmed all this and it was incredible to see um but i mean you probably wouldn't have shot one of the big ones because by the time the real the big ones were at the back of the school by the time you got to the big ones, you'd already had like 20, you know, 60 to 70 kilo yeah. ones. You would have shot around, one. You would have just played one Couple of them. A couple little ones <laughs> yeah. at 60 or 70. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And it's like you can see in that footage, like right at the end, there's yeah, that, big ones. Yeah, that with big this, one this comes big straight through the middle. Like, that's awesome, that, that footage. And these were huge fish, like, and they were right there. Like they were like, you know, they were in the your 80 to 90 kilo class fish. They were big fish, like, and yeah, oh, like I said, incredible to see. And yeah, we sort of, we got out on that and we were, we were all buzzed and we actually, we kept going and we did one more pass and we, we caught another one. That was like number three. Yeah. You know, we released that and Wes and that came out, they did like two passes and then the punters were seasick. <laughs> they wanted to go. That was it. Oh, like, we got to go. So they've literally had to turn their backs and drive away from like, you know, this it's literally like, you don't see that ever. It's almost like you classify it. Once in a, you know, every few years, once in a blue moon, or for my, a lot of people once in a lifetime, they had to drive yeah. away from it. Yeah. And then Ed was standing up and he's got to near where we were. We've turned around to go in because we had this tuna that we'd gaffed earlier in the day. We just had this thing sitting on the deck. You know, yeah. we didn't have SDs and we were like, we've got to leave, we've got to take this fish in. So we've left, we've left it and it was still firing out there. And then Ed's come out and he's got to like a mile from us, seen all the birds. He's put the gear in and he's literally just hooked a big yoke in straight away. Straight off, straight yeah. Straight off, yeah. yeah that he was got it. One, didn't he? Yeah. So he got one straight out, pulled it up, you know, gaffed it. But, but that's the thing, you know, when it's on, it's on. Like he, he was like 20 miles south. He's just like pulled the gear in and got. just gassed it, got there, got the yeah. fish. And like, that's when it happens, it happens here. Yeah. So that's the other thing. I remember you weighing that weighing that tuna that you brought in that day, come and have a look at it, always come and have a look at that sort of cool stuff. And then you're like, oh, I've got this awesome footage. I haven't been able to see it on the GoPro. I'll look at it tonight. And I'm like, yeah, message me if it's any good. And then like an hour later, my phone rings. You're like, get around here now. <laughs> <laughs> like, straight around to watch yeah. it on the laptop. It was just insane. But um, like you're saying how it's like once in a lifetime sort of stuff, but you've seen it twice. Um. I know you you particularly put a lot of days in out wide blue marlin fishing. 
how many days do you reckon you put in in the last 12 months type thing in the last season? Do you know? Oh, yeah. Well, you can't really say season because my season is sort of never ending. Yeah. You know, like I fish all winter. And that if I get a chance, I'm out there. I'll try and catch a blue marlin. I'm, I mean, we did. I think I just about caught a blue marlin in every month of the year this yep. year. But yeah, like in the last year, I would have easily put in, you know, like. 60, 70 days, have to be up around that. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Guys are like, I want that tuna action. We'll come up for a week. (laughs) It ain't going to happen, mate. Like, you know, like, what's, just say, what's 60 days? That's one in five, one in six days of the year. So that means you've got to go one day a week for every week of the year. You yeah. know, and they and people just and don't then you get that. still might not say it. Yeah, that's right. Like, like it, fucking, it's still special for you to say it. Yeah. So for anyone else, and like, uh, I felt the whole Wes thing on a charter. Just the amount oh. of times where you can't do something because punters don't realize how <laughs> fucking special that is. Because they're like, no, no, we we get big mackerel back there. It's like, yeah, but this is once in a lifetime. Yeah, and they're like, no, nah, we want to go and catch a mackerel. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like people like Wes and Haley and that, like they've got the bug, like it's not just a fish, you know. It's, yeah. It means something. And they know what it's like, you know, what it actually means to see that there. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't happen all the time. So to have to leave something like that is – um. It's heartbreaking in a way. Like, it actually oh, plays on you. It would, it's, yeah. it's so bad. Like, uh, not on the same sort of thing, but just on times where we had to turn away from stuff on charter just because, you know, it wasn't in their interest when you knew it was just something special, let alone fucking that. Yeah. Um, but you, you guys were talking uh, before the podcast, uh, they got a big yellowfin tuna in the um, Abrolis comp. Yeah, yep. So that Abrolis comp. Should be finishing maybe today or something. And Chad Mills from Blue Lightning was fishing it. And I think yesterday they got an 89 kilo yellowfin on 37. So ah. that'll be the new state record, I'd say. Yeah, which is really cool. That Abrolis Island fishery, they've caught, been catching a few fish there. I think it's the, the grounds on the charts look insane there, but the access, you know, you got to get out to the islands, which is 30-odd mile, and then you got to get out the back of that. So, And the weather off Jelton is totally insane 90% of the time. So <laughs> yeah. it's there to be done. It's we- de- definitely there to be done. And it's untouched in a sense. Like, you know, there's a, they do have that, um, that comp every year, and I know a few of the guys from Jarrow – um, and the cray fishermen and that as well, they, they shoot out there and hit it. Yeah. But, you know, it's relatively – it's untouched and it's – in a sense it's unexplored. Like no one's probably figured it out. You know, like here we we know – it's been fished that much. You know where the hot spots are. You know when it's going to be on. Whereas yeah. somewhere like that fishery, it's like you probably might not know exactly where those hot spots are or when exactly it fires and – yeah, there could be some amazing fishing to be had out there, that's for sure. Well, it's a good sign for our, us too, especially yourself, Nate, if you're going to blue marlin fish coming into winter because obviously you said October you had that bait ball tuna action so it's come early with the warmer water, the early warm water this year and now it's south of us late. So 
there's potentially in another month or so or week or whatever that those tuna will be pushing back up past us with those big blue marlin that go with them, you know. It's really weird here, our fishery. It's like on the east coast, you you talk to the guys there and, you know, they get a run as the water, you know, as the warm water pushes down the coast, they'll get a run of fish. And then they actually get a back run of fish as well. As it comes back up the coast, they will get a back run. Whereas, you know, here it's, I don't know with the fish go out wide or something but it's just like you know on the back side of it we don't really get like enough we get that one big run where we'll get big numbers of fish and then after that you know we kind of don't get a huge amount come back through yeah it'd be interesting this year because of it like yeah. where you know generally most of the charter fleet and that go inshore to chase the big numbers of little blacks and that so it well, may be there in a way and and it could be out actually wider you know like um you know, you said you fished winter and got a blue marlin. You, uh, you're the only person I know that confirmed that I've seen a photo. I've got a short bill spearfish out of here as well. Yeah, you know, well, that was, so they could push out wider through that sort of stuff. Well, that's dead right. I mean, it's just no one does it. You know, everyone fishes the season here. They know people are catching fish. They go out, they fish for it, and then they're like, you know, come March, April, they're like, all right, blue marlin season's over. They pack up all the gear and. They won't go out again until, you know, next October, November until they hear Eddie's catching fish or, you know, there's stories. But there is times, obviously, like, you know, Popper used to – he used to fish flat out. Like, he got big marlin out here all year round. He caught that 81-kilo yellowfin in August or yeah, whatever right, it was. Yeah. It was like middle of winter, like, out there and, bang, just rolled a big barrel. Like, no one really does it enough to confirm it, but – no, I was fishing wide. I was fishing like that, the canyon, the 2,000-metre canyon, like way offshore. And if the water looks good, I'll go out there. And then there was like that day, that was winter. We, it looked good. We went out there and, you know, we had like – we caught like a 500-pound blue. And then just afterwards we caught that spearfish, that short-bill spearfish, which was an incredible fish. At the time we didn't even know, you know, how good it was. Like we got it up and – I was looking at it, we're like, oh, what do we do with it? Like, you know, and I was like, oh, it's a short bill spearfish. And I was like, yeah, I, was like, I, I didn't realise, you know, at that stage that no one had actually caught one or, you know, there'd been documented proof of a short bill spearfish out here. Um, and then, yeah, so. Did, yeah, did you realise what it was like early on or was it when you grabbed it, nah, you were like. Well, we, no, nah, we, it came in and like, you know, it, it, it fought real, it was really weird. I was like, oh, it's a sailfish. And then I was like, oh, because the way it was fighting and that. Then it came in and I was like, no, it doesn't have a sail. And I'm like, I swear it's got a, some sort of, you know, dorsal long sail thing on it. And I was like, <laughs> nah. cut it off. And then it's like, no, nah, it's a wahoo because it was lit up like proper like a wahoo, like blue bars yeah, yeah. and that. Like, and then I was just like wigging out. And then I, I saw its face and I saw its little bill and I was like, like, shit, this thing is, a, it's a, it's a short bill spearfish. You know, it was like, wow. Like, I've never seen one of these. Like, this is incredible. And we were talking yeah. about, like, what do we do with it? Do we gaff it? Do we let it go? Uh, and we had it beside the boat and we're like, oh. And then we ended up, um, we ran it over and we snapped it off. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were ginning around, That's you know, we had, the drone, we had the drone footage. We were like, one mate was firing the drone, the other mate was on the rod and I was scratching my head thinking about what we were going to do with it. And, yeah, I had it because I had it on the leader. Like, I was holding the leader for ages and because I actually, um, it was on, we had it on a long, so it was only 200-pound leader. So, you know, I was all gung-ho I had a couple of big wraps on my hand and I was just like holding this thing and it went nuts and went under the boat and I was like I'll just you know manhandle it just scale drag it and I just popped the leader I was like oh yeah. well 
But um, yeah, there was definitely. What sort of size do you reckon it was? I've seen a, a, a photo grab of the drone footage of it jumping. It looks awesome. There's well, no doubting what it is. I would have, I would have, um, it's hard to say though, because looking at it, you'd be like, oh, wow, it's like, it was a long fish. It was a big fish. And like, but it's in that sailfish category, I think, where, you know, they look big, yeah, but look they're bigger. actually quite light. Yeah. And when I see the pictures of them and the weights of them, like we were calling 40 to 50 kilo, but then, you know, you see weights and that, and they actually, you know, same as like a sail. Yeah, or like 50, a 20 kilo. Yeah, fish. 50 kilo sail is actually only 20 kilo. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it could have been, it was in, yeah, it would have been, I reckon, in that 30 kilo range. Yeah, right. So very cool. Do you, do you think that uh, short bill spearfish uh, are like the most disputed fish in the Xmouth area? Oh, they're Arguments? right up there. There's a few, but um, the, the, could, the, could, the strange thing with short bill spearfish in the Xmouth community is you've got basically two groups of game fishing people. You've got the older original crew and then you've got the newer crew. And the older crew say there's a, there used to be even a commercial fishery or something for them in the Gulf and no one in of the newer crew has seen that. Yep. And then from what we know about shortbill spearfish is they're a deep oceanic creature by nature. So like Hawaii and that, they like even 500 metres is getting too shallow for them. They like it deep, a couple of thousand metres. They like it wide. They're a, win- they're a warm water winter fish, so they like the colder months of a tropical climate. So yeah. it just none of that screams it should be in the Gulf. No. Nah, but there's like, heap, there's like but a dozen people that swear that the Gulf was they, full of them. They swear that, but I find that hard that no one's got a single photo of one of these fisheries that there was apparently all these fish there. No one's got a single photo of it. And that Gulf has been fished hard all seasons of the year for, you know, the last 10 years or more by a lot of good fishermen. And surely by now someone would have caught one. If they were there. The one thing that is a bit funny with the Gulf is I've fished it the last three years or maybe four, I think three years, and, you know, some of the charter operators have fished it heavy longer than that. But I got to fish it maybe eight years or ten years ago. I got to fish the first comp I went in. I went with Gatesy in there. And there was a black marlin in there. And Eddie caught it and then we caught it. So we had the tag in it. It was cool. Swimming around just with the sails, eating and apparently that was quite common before. There was a few black mullet. Yeah. Now you don't see them. I haven't seen one in that three years, and I never hear of Joshua or Eddie or that seeing them anymore. So, you know, they've slowly dwindled from in there, so potentially that could happen with short bill spearfish, yeah. but, but it ha- it's definitely changing. I you also see there was like apparently there was all the rumours going around that they reckon they used to catch yellowfin in the Gulf as well. What, some well guys, there was a tuna cannery Yeah, there were some there. guys saying that they were used to long-line yellowfin in the Gulf, but yeah. then it's like talking to the people that spend a lot of time in the Gulf, they're like, Dad, there's a lot of big long tail in the Gulf. But so that it's like Carnarvon, Carnarvon had huge elephant and doesn't now behind the trawlers. Well, that yeah, that is an yeah, anomaly. I've, I've seen one behind a trawler, a big yellowfin, big yellowfin uh, from the flybridge of Blue Hurry following a trawler. Yeah, hundred percent yellowfin. Yeah, so well, following it actually like fifty meters out from the marina. That was when I was a decky though. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, Having said that, the bait schools in the Gulf and in Lighthouse Bay, what they were 15, 20 years ago compared to now, 
fucking different ball game. Like where, when you went out there, there was just always those massive bait schools. Yeah. Where like the Carnarvon one, from my understanding, the Carnarvon Big Yellowfin, they weren't there originally. Yeah. And then they adapted to live behind the trawlers. They sort of yeah, must they, have they come learned. in and learnt yeah. to live there. And then for whatever reason, maybe they were they got scared of being caught behind the trawls, then they've left. Well, another uh, thing is as well, though, is that the sharks behind the trawlers now are yeah. 30 times worse than what they were when those big yellowfin were there. So whether or not, you know, because I, I looked right into that, the big yeah. yellowfin behind the trawlers. I, yeah. You know, I called random people up and I'd just harass them about those yellowfin. <laughs> yeah. You'd hear stories, yeah, they were saying like, yeah, we'd just be working, you know, they – because they work. It was at night time. Was the hard thing, you know. They work at night time there. Yeah, so they, yeah every time shot in the morning. Yeah, they, yeah. they pull up a shot. They're down there. Like, there was just big yellowfin eating everything as they were, you know, going down the chute. Big yellowfin just smashing. So there'd be like, you know, 10, 12 big yellowfin behind the boat. But there wasn't many sharks there then as well. At the same, there was only a few sharks. Mm. Um, nowadays though, there is like, you know, like. A hundred sharks behind those trawlers. Like, yeah. it, it would borderline be even if the yellowfin were there. And that's a lot of the guys that I know from Carnarvon that used to go and catch those yellowfin were saying that in the later years they ended up they started losing all the yellowfin to sharks. So they were yeah. catching the yellowfin, they were just getting sharked. Yeah. Um, and nowadays, talking to like the skippers of those trawlers, are saying like the amount of sharks behind the trawlers are just ridiculous. Yeah. Like you probably you wouldn't even be able to jump in the water there with the amount of sharks that there are nowadays. Yeah. A so. lot of that would be the implementation of TEDs, I would imagine, the turtle exclusion devices, because trawlers by nature used to catch the sharks and now they don't. So I suppose yeah. if they're swimming around in the nets just willy-nilly. Yeah. It's it's just hard, but just, you know, the WA, like, yeah, there's been a shark explosion along the entire coastline for all the – um. All the fisheries, you know, recreational, commercial, everywhere. It's a it's yeah. a weird it's a weird thing, you know, you can't really explain that. But as you were saying, the ocean does do weird weird yeah. things and weird cycles and maybe, you know, this winter the bait could arrive back in Exmouth Gulf and there's uh, buddy the short bill spearfishing yellowfin yeah. tuna in there. That's right, yeah. Like, well I mean yeah. the the other thing that does lend it to it, I I've got no idea on every way I've never actually spoken to anyone besides I think Princey mentioned it on the podcast the other day about short bill in the Gulf. But it, it's funny how we just get so used to our time in that getting a photo is so much fucking easier now. Yeah, and, well, and that's true, yeah. Not, not just easier but uh, also it's not as awkward to ask someone, like you expect someone to take a photo of every fish you, yeah, you catch or any decent one. Like I, I know, fucking even when I first started fishing and spear fishing, like to ask someone to take a photo on film, like it had to be a fucking good fish. Yeah, you went. Oh yeah. Well, it, now it's more important. Yeah. Too, you know, like if you don't get the photo, why did you do it? Like you know, like <laughs> yeah. Nate saying, take. You know, I take a lot of guys fishing as well, and. And some of them you take out and they don't look like they're loving it. They actually, they hate it. They don't like marlin fishing. It's too boring. Yada, yada, yada. They catch one. Then they catch one, you um, you know, then it's like take a photo of them with it boat side and then you look on their social media and they're like, had the best day of my life. You know, I got this fish, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I'm and a fisherman now. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're doing it just for the photo. The actual experience was shit where I think um, back in Princey's younger days and that, people did things for the point of doing it with their mates, not for the experience of telling or showing other people later yeah. so much, you know. So that's probably why it's not as important to get a photo then. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it. And, and that that has changed what we how we question people and shit now as well, though. Like yeah. if someone says now they've got something fucking, you know, like a, they've pull, pulled a big blue marlin boat side or they've caught some sort of special fish, you're like, where's the photos? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and if they don't have them, you're like, you're more likely a liar than not. Whereas, yeah. yeah, otherwise it's like, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, fucking probably three quarters of the shit that you used to do, you you wouldn't have had a like someone had to remember to bring a camera with film, yeah, and shit like that, yeah. and, and then you had to find someone that fucking cared about it, yeah, and get the film out without fucking it up. How many times? Yeah. You do that? <laughs> oh, yeah. your camera and twing, oh, fuck. Yeah. But it's now everyone, you know, everyone's got an iPhone with cameras and video functions on them. And in that day, like, when we got that short bill, we had a drone in the air filming the capture. It's yeah, like, you know. 20 years ago, you weren't going to have a drone in the air or you weren't going to yeah. have an iPhone bloody 11 with three cameras on it to capture that. But so. even still, lucky you had the drone because oh, yeah, definitely. if you didn't have that drone footage of it jumping, I'd be a skeptic. You'd be going, we had a short bill and snapped it on the leader. I'd be like, yeah, good one. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and I know you very well, so and I'd still be skeptical. I, was so. saying, I, I came in, I said to Ed, I sent him a message and I was like, we caught a short bill spearfish, and he was like, "Oh yeah, mate, yeah." Sure, he's like, "Sure, he's like, you got a photo," and I was like, "Oh, actually, I've got a screen snap." And sent him a screen snap, and then just got this message back, all oh, in big capitals. It's like, "Holy fuck, that's an actual short bill spearfish!" <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, I thought it was. It's like, yeah, it was, and that's how I realised. It's like, yeah, it's your head is a big thing. Yeah, it was a big thing. So, but I'm, now it's like, yeah, I went out there this season, way out wide. Um, you were out fishing that day as well, but um, we had a fish on one of the on the long long, and um, ate it like a striped. Couldn't quite see it. Just boiled, pecked at it like a little budgerigar. Went and then fell off. A hundred percent. It just was a short it, bill. We called it a strike. Just called it a strike for my stats. Nah, mate. One one zero short bill. Yeah, <laughs> called it a strike for my stats. But I'm not going to lie. In my mind. It's got me half wanting to go back out there, even though I didn't see anything else oh, out there. I've, I've done a lot of trips out there. I've been out there a bunch of times, and you know, I've um, I've had days. I've had probably uh, you know half the days I've been out there, we haven't got anything. And then yeah. but other days, you know, the biggest black I've caught was out there. Yeah, right. You know, like you, you'd think blacks are inshore, and the biggest black I caught we caught out there, and that was in July. Yeah, and so that day, like we rocked up first thing in the morning, like we left Tanners at like four or something. Got out there as the sun was coming up and we just saw like big tuna busting up out there. Um, and yeah, we were like pretty blown away. And these tuna, like they didn't have sickles. That was the thing. They were big tuna and they didn't have sickles. Like they were jumping like 200 metres from us and there was no sickles on them. So I was like, they're either big eye tuna or the bluefin. Yeah. Um, it's the only thing that could be. Which, which, is all re- which is all recorded out there through the long line fishery exactly. and tagging program. So. so that was the thing like out there. And then we trawled around, we didn't get... We didn't get bugger all, which is what happens 90% of the time you see big tuna. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just after that, we actually saw this big mako jumping 
like in the distance. A big Shit. Mako doing those big backflips and that. We were like, oh, wow, this yeah. is incredible. And then just after that, we all started, boom, like the long went off and we didn't see what it was. And this thing's just going nuts. Like, you know, just peeling heaps of line, going down deep. And we're like, it's, it doesn't look like a male. And like, is it a tuna or like, you know, it hasn't done anything. And then same typical black marlin, 20 minutes later, we went up and down and all of a sudden, boom, like, you know. This, yeah, how'd he comes? Yeah, like 250 kilo black marlin just launches out of the water like 50 metres off the side of the boat. That's sick. And then, yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was cool as to see that. Um, and then we actually, we ended up dropping that fish right on, we pretty much had it on the leader and dropped it. But then, yeah, we, we kept going from there and then we found like a piece of, dead giant squid floating on the surface like this dead set, <laughs> meter and a half by meter like chunk of like three inch thick dead squid just like bites out of it just floating on the surface out there fucking hell that's Holy insane shit. yeah that's the thing it's like you don't know what lives out there like that you know it drops down it's like two and a half thousand meters or something well yeah. me and squirrely had out in 1100 here one day we had um a pair of uh sperm whales so if they're out there hunting that's what they eat so yeah, you know, it's every chance of all that yeah, out there. Big square yeah, out there. So, but I mean, it's all about exploring new areas as well. Like, there's so much open ocean out there that's untouched that unless you're, you know, unless people go out there and start fishing it, no one's going to know what it can provide. Yeah. Same, yeah. As, same as anywhere, really. Like, same, like the whole WA fishery, like, you know, these guys are pushing out from the Abrolhos and they're catching massive yellowfin and blue marlin out there and, and, you know, guys, I know, just down at, went out from Durian and they caught big blue marlin out from there. And, like, yeah. what's to say? Like, the, the guys off um, Rotnest as well, like, they just banged a bunch of blues. They've had, like, the best blue season they've had for years out there, like, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I and think I was saying that. It gets me saying. It's like even, like, you know, like Cape Naturalist, Cape Lewin down there, you've got the Lewin Current that just, you know, it actually, it's like a pressure point. It constricts around that cape and bends around. Yeah, and then eddies behind the back of the cape towards Albany and that. Yeah, you know, and it stops there, and it's like, what's the? Like, oh, that is just one big fish highway. Like the amount of big pelagics that have been down there, and well, the biggest blue marlin ever recorded in Australia. It was even in the world. It was something like fifteen hundred pound or something washed up in Albany. Yeah, a few it, years ago. It, it was. It was still. Uh, was that the one that was still half alive? There was, there's been four or five. Yeah, because there was one in Esperance and one there yeah, within a couple of years. There's been like monster blue marlins washed up on yeah. the beaches down there. So, you know, what's to say there isn't a crazy fishery out from the capes down there? Well, like, I've, I've wondered since uh, they started doing those Bremer Canyon tours for the um, killer whales where just that one spot just bubbles up at a certain yeah, time out, of year. I've been out there. I, I went out there. We didn't – I actually went out. We were in Bremer for a holiday and I bumped into um one of the guys I used to work with and he was driving that um orca boat, the Bremer, the Bremer yeah. Tours or whatever it is. And I bumped into him and he was like, why don't you come out and, um you know, come and see the orcas tomorrow. I'll take you out. So me Fuck and my yeah. chick, we went out there and – you know, as soon as I got out there, the first thing I was just like, tuna. I was like, tuna, bluefin tuna. Have you seen bluefin tuna? Out here? <laughs> you know, like, just started peppering him. And I was like, he was like, oh, personally, I was like, what about the commercial fishermen? What about the wet liners? You know, and I was like, they've got to be here. Yeah. We went out there and, you know, like, I'd see these birds and I'm like, there's birds over there. And it's like, oh, it's a kill. It's orcas. And I was like, oh, orcas. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, like, I'm just thinking bluefin. Yeah. And we get out there and, you know, there's 
these bluefin have just ripped apart a beat whale or something and there's all these greenies like ooing and ahhing watching this beat whale get slowly torn apart while it's alive <laughs> and they're all like some chick's crying because it's so majestic and beautiful and I'm like, this sick. is actually horrifying. <laughs> I was like, you know, the Japanese do this and, you know, half the world stops down in protests and the yeah. orcas do it and it's the majestic orcas get and away beautiful. With it. Yeah, oh, and I'm like, bastard. you guys are confused. When are they going to get held accountable? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to part one of Chumming Up with Nate Bresnak. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. There's a part two where we get real in-depth into spearfishing, especially dogtooth tuna, bits about the Mexican cartel. It's an awesome little app. As always, make sure you like, subscribe, and follow us on everything. Give us a review and enjoy your life.